G'day listeners, welcome to Bar Karate, the sailing podcast. My name is Jordan Spencer and it's that time of the week where we get to speak to some super cool people about sailing and unfortunately I have to do that with my two idiot mates. So first off, welcome to the show, Mr. Brett Perry. Greetings, exalted one. Greetings all, greetings all. Well, it's a what could have been week for me Mm -hmm. because uh, it would have been nationals, actual nationals this week. Oh, so we've been out training yesterday, felt very lonely, but, <laughs> you know, you've got to keep the, keep the work ethic it's going. It's a strange don't you? world, mate. It's a strange world. Um, yeah. But anyway, it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, let's bring in the other bloke before we, uh, we say anything further. Um, he had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. Mr. Nick Bice. Top of the day, gents. And a uh, very happy birthday there to you, you BP. How, what a surprise. Just prior to – it's amazing what Facebook does. You just find all this it's stuff out. unbelievable. Didn't need to get cold at all. Um, and we're good mates like that. That's and as for I, you, Jordan, you're yeah. uh, on the edge of the pandemic as we speak. Oh, yes. Oh, up in Queensland. Yeah, yeah. We're all racing up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you've probably been inundated with as many Brisbane residents as possible. Brisbaneans, Brisbaneans, as they're commonly known. Insane. It was insane. I've got to be honest, like, because for those who don't know around the world, uh, we got, we had, you know, Australia's got this really tight system where people will come back going to quarantine and we get COVID in the country by the ones that fly into the country. And what's happened is one cleaner... Uh, of the hotel, the quarantine hotel has had it, um, but the UK strain. So they've everything's just gone straight into lockdown to shut it down. And so the the premier, which is uh, you know the leader of our state, has just said, right, oh, Brisbane, you're into shutdown. So the Brisbane area, the Brisbane city area, is shut down at six o'clock tonight. So of course. Everybody in Brisbane just took off straight out of Brisbane and now they're all up where I live, which is an hour north, um, which is this sort of glamour. I live on a glamour holiday spot and uh, <laughs> and everyone's up here. Everyone's up here. All the people that are supposed to be isolating and, and not circulating are out in the surf having a grand old time. So, uh, oh well. so can I ask, yeah. Jay, where, where's the current uh, Queensland stock of Barkrati Sailors Lager? Um, it's down in Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> We missed that opportunity. <laughs> oh, I've got – I actually did go and grab about 20 cases. So I've got 20 cases here um, yeah. that I've got to deliver. But I, I actually – my plan was to go and visit all the yacht clubs this weekend down in Brisbane and, and lock in some deals. Um, and then, um, yeah, had to shut that down. So anyway. <laughs> um, boys, I'm just going to say – it's lucky we've got Bar Karate to talk about because it's been a quiet news week. Yeah, hardly anything's <laughs> on in the news, <laughs> especially in the um, territory of where our next guest is from. Well, there you go. That's what I was getting to. Uh, we're going to have a uh, – I guess we'll bring him in. Um, last week we promised what – I guess we wanted to try and bring in something to talk about the Vondo and we wanted to get some expertise – so we racked our brains and then um, we realised that we've got a mate who, who knows quite a bit about them and he's probably the best performed um, Imoka skipper that's not doing the Vonday in the world currently right now, um, given that in last year he got third in the uh, Defy Azimut and then in the Transact Jacques Vab fourth. So he's right at the front of the fleet. 
and uh, also done um, skipped several Volvo Ocean Race uh, entries. So it was a no-brainer, really. We would just jump on the phone and get in this man, particularly because he's in America and he's probably hiding at the moment with all the potential COVID that's flying around in that country. So we thought we'd bring in Mr. Charlie Enright. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Too kind right. in your intro, as per usual. <laughs> That's pre- the bit we edit out and change <laughs> it later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, Jordan, he's getting pretty good at his, at his intros. <laughs> That's it. Um, well, let's we'll talk about you personally initially, Charlie, just to to give people some sort of background. So, for those who don't know Charlie, he um, he's from Rhode Island in the states, which is pretty much the the capital of sailing in the US, I guess. Uh, started sailing at five in Opti's is um, what I understand. You came together where you became to the forefront where we get to understand you was through the Morning Light project in 2007. That um, that Transpac event, which was uh, on the TP52, where all the youngsters got together and had a ball, and that's where you met Mark Tal, and then you guys formed the team. Started gone. You're pointing? Yeah, that's where I met the met the great Nick Bison then too. Actually, yeah. captain around the uh, yeah. the, the pie wacket mm-hmm. and uh, our just, just after the AVN campaign and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> our sympathies for that. Uh, yeah, you were partnered up. Yeah. We know we've heard a lot of stories actually. Um, so and then you formed you got the team together for Alva Medicare and then um, the Vestas Eleventh Hour and now of course you have the Eleventh Hour campaign. So. That's the sort of speed run, um, and I guess you're oh, a what maker. I was thinking of doing, gents, is yeah. doing my own speed run. When I was setting up the meeting um, and the request, I was going through all of Charlie's different email addresses: All American Ocean <laughs> Racing, Vestas Eleventh Hour, Charlie at Charlie at Charlie at, and I thought yeah. it's actually a good way to do a resume. <laughs> <laughs> Just list your email addresses. I think, yeah. I think it was Jordy Schaefer that used to say, I'm not sending you a CV. I'll take a picture of my closet with all the different jackets and figure out what I've done. <laughs> there you go. That's Love a good it. way of doing it. <laughs> so you you obviously uh, made the choice to go sailing as a young lad. That was uh, You never had a chance, obviously. You, you know, sailing's a big part of your family, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I got into it young, um, you know, as, as you kind of referenced, Narragansett Bay and Rhode Island are kind of the center of the sailing universe. Um, you know, says one biased resident, but you know, yeah. I think most would agree. Um, here in the States, uh, my grandfather was a boat builder. It's kind of all I ever did um, growing up and even through uni. Uh, and then, you know, the Morning Light Project definitely helped present, um, you know, sailing as a professional career and um, figured if I didn't give it a go, uh, as a you know, twenty-something-year-old, it'd be harder to shift back when I was fifty or sixty or something like that. So that's kind of how it started. And um, you know, you talked about my relationship with Mark. You know, we certainly do uh, everything together. And um, you know, the Volvo Ocean Race, as it was affectionately referred to back then, was always our our dream. And there just there, there aren't a lot of seats, you know, on the boats um, in that race. And um, as inconceivable as it may sound, you know, we we thought we had just a good chance to creating our own team as we did a uh, weaseling our way onto one of those boats. And so that's what we went out and did. And uh, that's what kind of got us to where we are today. Okay. So let's just t- rewind the clock to that. The, yeah, man. The, when at first the, the seed got planted, I mean, the, it's a massive project to get off the ground. And when you first planted that seed, what did you actually, how did you, what was your first step? 
Uh, you know, certainly talking to people that had done it, you know, and had put teams together before. Um, and at the time, Knut Frosted was running the Volvo Ocean Race and uh, was super supportive uh, of our effort, you know, having put together teams himself before in the past. And, he, you know, he, he really believed in helping teams get to the start line, particularly teams that um, understood the commercial aspects um, of the race itself. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, walked into his office and said, listen, here's how I'm going to win the Volvo Ocean Race. I'm going to hire Juan K. I'm going to get these sales and these sailors and this and that. And, you know, neglected to think about how the hell they were going to pay for it. You know, and, um, you know, we, we kind of went in from from the other side um, saying, you know, here's our you know business plan. Here's what we think. Here's what we budgeted. You know, here's what we planned on surrounding ourselves with to make sure that we don't mess this up. And, you know, so I, I think he saw rightly or wrongly a little bit of him and us and kind of helped us along. And that was how the, uh, you know, the Alvametica introduction started, you know, through the business development program of the Volvo Ocean Race. And. You know, we certainly weren't the first people to sit down with them. You know, um, I think a couple other people for one reason or another kind of weren't able to get it across the line, whether it was dollars and cents or difference in philosophy. You know, I don't know, but it, it, it fell to us and we were able to kind of close the deal and feel like we made uh, the most of the situation. Uh, learned a lot and had a lot of fun, exceeded expectations in, in some ways, but, you know, maybe not our own, which is why we're, you know, continually back until we kind of punch one through. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a long-winded answer, but uh, we, we just kind of went for it. I guess just, uh, it's also an answer that, and there would be many people mm. that have assisted you along the way, and especially the Disney family um, in what they created with Morning Light. And the reason I mention that is having been around, as you as you alluded to, the Piwacket program during that transatlantic when you did Morning Light, and just seeing the support that Roy Senior gave to you and what he created. And I actually remember going to see the movie Morning Light when it was uh, came out first time in Newport. Um, so you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was that special shooting star that went across that everyone was impressed by. But um, the Disney's uh, Roy Senior, who's uh, passed away now, but Roy Junior, who continues to follow your dream and keep you on path, has uh, been a big part of it. Massive part. I mean, what, um, you know, Roy senior, I guess, uh, Roy E Disney, um, you know, did for us is nothing short of amazing. And, um, we're very conscious of that and, and where we can and when we can, um, try to create those opportunities for other people. Cause we've been very, very fortunate, um, to your point and, uh, Roy P Disney, uh, who continues to campaign the, um, the, the, the pie wacket in this day and age, you know, has also been a, a great supporter of ours and whether we're sailing with him on his boats or, you know, he's sailing with us, uh, you know, on the 65, he did the last leg of the last race with us. Um, just recently this fall, he came sailing on the 60 with us in Newport to do some training. And, you know, we, we did the wizard campaign just a couple, I guess, seasons ago it is now and brought Roy with us on the Fastnet race with the Askew brothers. And, you know, he's, he's been a tremendous, tremendous help um, for us personally. Um, I'd like to think it's a kind of a two-way relationship a little bit, you know, uh, gets to go sailing and, you know, yeah. we get to hang with a good man and it's been a good couple months, certainly for, for Roy with the uh, advent of Disney plus and whatnot. Mm. Um, <laughs> Time that well, didn't they? So, yeah, not bad. <laughs> but, um, just for the record, uh, having, uh, met and sailed and been involved with Roy E. Disney, 
we do uh, get to meet a lot of owners in this sport, and uh, he was certainly one of the one of the great ones, one of the good ones. Always no, always there for the right reason, picking good guys and putting good teams together, and that's why they've been successful from that sense as well. Yeah, I mean, d- during you know to piggyback off of that, I, I mean, during the Morning Light project, he was there every day. You know, mm. I mean, it's not like he funded the thing and stroked a check and was kind of hands off. I mean, he, he was there in his, you know, Aloha shirt and his New Balance <laughs> shoes, driving the minivan to Costco <laughs> to like get the groceries to feed the backs. I mean, just yeah. just what a guy. I, I mean, I remember spending, you know, his 77th birthday with him at, a, you know, Waikiki Yacht Club. He was just amongst it, you know, the nicest guy ever. Yeah. 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 You, you seem to be quite good at making relationships with, owners then, Charlie, because um, I, I would say that uh, you and Mark have a fairly significant relationship with the uh, the foundation that sponsors you now and the owners of that. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I can think of one occasion when you were having a very nice dinner with uh, Wendy Schmidt um, in a restaurant in Spain and at a very exclusive restaurant in Spain and there was a table full of idiots just across from you making it... Uh, <laughs> Very difficult to act professionally, <laughs> but you—you you know—you do all, you do all the hard work. You guys, you guys maintain relationships very well. Uh, I, I think you know we try to you know, simply put treat people as we'd like to be treated, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, Wendy and her group of folks at Eleventh Hour Racing in Newport um, have been longtime supporters of ours. Uh, you know, you guys had, I think. Rob McMillan and Michelle Carnavali on the show earlier, um, maybe a month ago or so. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've known Rob, uh, one of the co-founders along with Jeremy Pochman, um, since I was probably, I don't know, 15 years old or something like that. Uh, we grew up on opposite sides of Narragansett Bay, grew up sailing against each other, uh, have a very, very close mutual friend who was my, uh, kind of sailing coach growing up at university. And, uh, you know, he grew up, driving boats that Rob was crewing on. And, um, you know, we, uh, we put together a team called the all American offshore team, uh, presented by Oak Cliff. I might add, um, they've also been a, a, a Do you have your own email address? Do you have your own uh, email probably, address? Probably. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll check the archives, but there's probably some URL out there. Uh, Charlie at something. Um, but <laughs> no, we, uh, that, that's when our relationship with Lemon Thor racing actually started in 2011, um, they provided us with some organic freeze-dried food um, for our transatlantic trip uh, on the old um, STP-65 Money Punny, mm-hmm. which I think is called Vanquish now. Um, it was owned by uh, another foundation, uh, Ralph Stites, the USMMA Sailing Foundation, another partner that we've had throughout this whole process. Um, Ralph has been amazing, and actually um, just, just this week I was supposed to be sailing some of the Figaro's at his facility down in uh, South Carolina, so another kind of long-standing relationship. But um, I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but uh, it, it, it takes a village, you know. I mean, um, mm. you know, Mark and I kind of run things together, uh, certainly, but there's, there's a lot going on in the the background um, that other people that might not know, whether it's the USMMA Sailing Foundation, it's Roy, it's, um, you know, Oak Cliff, it's 11th Hour Racing. It's, you know, it, it's more than just what you kind of see on the internet, if you will. Similar to that meeting when you walked into Canute's office, it's not just about having the fastest boat 
and best crew. Mm-hmm. It's all the other stuff that goes with it. But what I guess people don't realise, of which I've observed you certainly understanding the last several years for that matter, is that other stuff is probably 80% of it, even more, 90% of it. And uh, the yep. the icing is that's the sailing bit. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and, you know, we don't, we don't lose um, sight of that. And, and we certainly don't lose sight of the fact that we probably couldn't have done what we've done um, without the one design concept and the Volvo 65 and the help of Canute and people like yourself and Coxie and the boat yard. And, um, you know, in some respects in the 1415 race, it was all kind of laid out for us in, in, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, what we're kind of jumping into now is a uh, very different, a big step up, one that we definitely couldn't have taken eight years ago. Um, but we kind of jump at now. Um, but yeah, I mean, one person, I guess I, I haven't mentioned that I think helps provide us with a lot of this perspective is a guy, you know, well, Bill Erklund's, mm. um, you know, he's kind of the third leg of the tripod, uh, if you will, uh, he's kind of seen it all working for, um, you know, Larry, for so many years running that, the, the, the Oracle program. And before that Sayonara and, you know, you got familiar with him, I'm sure in the speedboat build and yeah, it's got a lot of perspective. Uh, definitely. He, he's, he's seen it all. He's unflappable. Um, he's got a pretty smart wife too, which works to our uh, benefit. Occasionally <laughs> they share a home office with a, you know, general counsel of an old America's cup team. So, yep. um, you know, that's pretty handy, but yeah. Absolutely, and that um, allows you and Mark to concentrate on that sailing side of things as well, as I can imagine, because, again, all that back office stuff needs to be done, and if there's anything to be learned out of that is you cannot afford to neglect the back office at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, well, I mean, just in talking to Canute, it's like, okay, so you get the money, where are they going to send it? <laughs> and, oh. you know it's like crickets it's like oh uh my personal checking account in Bristol, <laughs> Rhode Island. yeah that's not gonna fly you know so it's like you know you gotta have a company you gotta have an accountant you gotta have attorneys you know it's just it's there's there's a lot and that that's the point i was alluding to earlier is uh you know you've got this idea it's planted and you're going yep let's do it and two young guys we're going to take it on and then this comes up you know you've got to run a company you've got to put all these people in place and uh, i guess you've learned a lot about business along the way yeah. Um, <laughs> whether, uh, uh, I actually use it or not. Uh, it's, it's, it's what I went to school for. Uh, it's what Mark went to school for. Um, and actually, you know, he's continuing to go to school for, uh, Mark's in the process of getting his MBA, um, right now as a way to hopefully, you know, further our, our, our future endeavors together. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, it's tough because, there's no script certainly i mean no no two sailing teams have ever been run the same way funded the same way um so you know to some extent you got to kind of make it up as you go um but you know you get a a a core i guess um you know understanding uh of how it works and you can kind of lean on that to help solve the problems that lay in front of you in each particular situation so well, I guess you're surrounding yourself with the right people and it enables you to get out and do what you do best. And that's what you need. To, oh. And that's why it's a success. You know, if you're trying to do yeah. it all yourself, you're trying to do it all yourself. It's impossible. It's just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've seen examples in the past of people that have kind of tried to do it um, all themselves and it mm. doesn't, doesn't work out that well. I mean, if you can surround yourself with, um, you know, good people who are able to play their to play to their strengths in and around you, it only kind of makes you look better. So. Mm. So enough of the serious shit. Um, <laughs> and speaking about doing it all by yourself, why aren't you out there doing the Vondo? Yeah. Was it ever well, considered? 
No, 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 no. It, it was not simply in this go round. And, um, you know, three years ago, I would have said, you know, stop, 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 stop right there. Um, but, you know, having done, you know, the TJB and the double handed thing, you know, it's certainly not out of the question. You know, I'm not saying the next Bentley Globe, um, you know, you probably want to do another race or two before that single handed. But um, I'd like to give it a nudge, single handed stuff and see if it's for me. Um, and I certainly wouldn't have said that, uh, like I said, three, three years ago, but after doing, uh, the TJV and, uh, all the training sessions and kind of living in France and lapping it up and yeah, it's, it's, it's special. It's, it's different, um, but it's fun. And for me personally, it's a departure from what I usually do on the boat or the crew configuration. So every mm. day was different and it was fun and challenging and I'd test myself and it was cool. guess it's, um, so you'd be good at going to see by yourself jordan mm. <laughs> even you love your own company and all <laughs> could you imagine the conversations <laughs> oh jeez it would be all pre-recorded imagine the episodes would happen no, no, do you know what i reckon it would back. do do you know what i reckon you'd do i'd reckon you'd pre-record actual discussions and actually <laughs> reply <laughs> I, I reckon it uh, it's a funny one that a lot of crew got, we've admired the Omoka class or the single-handed on the French, the way that they do it and trying to imagine whether growing up within a crude environment, whether you'd like it. Um, when you first got out there, just in the double-handed stuff, was it comfort straight away or you were a bit, didn't quite know what to do? Um, I mean, obviously yeah. you're busy, <laughs> but you're like, yeah. do I like this? Do I don't like this? It's kind of cool. Obviously, you, you do like it. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot just because every day was like going to school, you know, um, mm. whether it's learning how to do the front of the boat, which is something I'm not accustomed to, or, um, you know, getting my head more wrapped around some of the nav stuff or, you know, the boat mechanics, the engine stuff, the spares, the, you know, you name it, driving with an autopilot. I mean, everything that, I was doing two years ago was completely new mm. to me and, uh, and, and, and very foreign. So it's like, there wasn't even time to think about whether I liked it or not. You just had to kind of get on with it. If we were going to kind of achieve some of the results that, um, you know, we aspired to achieve. So it, it wasn't until looking back on it. Uh, I guess I realized, you know, just how much I did enjoy it and how, how rewarding it was. It's, um, and, um, Oh, sorry. Go on, boss. But those results that you did achieve in the fourth in the TJV and third in the Azimut, mm. was that where you saw yourself better, worse? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, that was so, kind of good. I'd say decent considering the, the yeah. iteration of boat we had. Um, you know, we probably have one of the best 16-generation boats, and um, that's how we finished. And not, to men- uh, not to mention who you're up against. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. And pretty given, damn impressive. Uh, you know, Pat, Pat, certainly having the help of Pascal was, you know, amazing. Um, you know, it, it's just a little bit of everything. You know, it's the French seem to be so well rounded in that way. And, you know, obviously it manifests itself in a successful team environment too, with Dong Fong winning the last race and your Palma two races before that. And, you know, you just get all of this knowledge on a boat. And if you can manage all the individual personalities, you know, success ensues, lo and behold. So uh, it's impressive stuff. I I often say that uh, if you're a sailing enthusiast, uh, you've got to spend some part of your time in uh, Lorient and go and check it out. The scene is just unbelievable. 
Yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, we were I didn't even know that these things existed. And, and a lot we of people in the world to, and a lot of people in the world don't. This is it. Yeah, not only the, you know, that corner of the world and just how, you know, ravenous the um the community is for the sport of sailing and particularly offshore sailing, but we were lucky enough to participate in these um they call it the pole, which is the uh Omoka or not not specific to Omoka. They do it for Figaro's and I think the old teams and the Amokos and what have you, but it, it's, it's organized offshore sailing camp, basically, you know, there's, you know, 10 to 15 boats and it's biweekly and uh, there's data sharing and folks on different objectives. And it's no wonder that they all get better mm. together and, mm. you know, everybody's level rises at the same time. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. So let's, Get into something I would think you'd find interesting. You would have had <coughs> this experience multiple times in your life. The first one I want to talk about is that, you know, when you pulled the, your first team together, the Alva Medica team, when did it hit home for you, you know, that, hey, this is happening? Was it when you got your first check-in or was it when <coughs> you were walking down to the boat for the start of the race, the first time in the Volvo? Or was it that first night at sea or was it the first time you hit the Southern Ocean, something like that? When when do you have all these sort of like shake your head every moments? Day. Every day? Yeah, every, yeah, every day. I mean, it was a every day was a first for us, you know, mm. uh, getting the check, uh, you know, the import race and, you know, Alicante, we were fortunate enough to win. You know, it was a big moment and then setting off on a – you know, first 27 day leg at sea and then first podium, uh, rounding Cape Horn and first it's like, you know, every day, basically Mark and I would look at each other. We'd pinch ourselves. We'd be like, you know, we're the luckiest guys in the world. And to some extent you make your own luck and you don't rest on your laurels and you keep working hard and onto the next opportunity and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, here we are with 11th hour racing, even, you know, luckier than we were years ago because not only are we continuing to pursue our passion we're doing it for um you know a cause mm. <laughs> it's, it's it's near and dear to our health and you mm. know sustainability and ocean health so i mean we don't we don't take you know our position lightly uh, that's mm. for sure so did um, I, I guess i was alluding to the fact that you know when you got the the new boat or the the uh, boat that you've got currently the the amoka you must have almost gone through that same sort of thought process that same feeling you know like because it's such a quantum leap in terms of style that boat it's certainly um we went sailing with alex uh when we first picked up the boat and the Solent, and the first time you're kind of up on the foil and the um you know everything just feels so light you know it's like yeah. a kind of Mack truck and a feather at the same time, just, just, just floating above the, above the water. Um, you know, that was certainly crazy. And then, you know, I remember during, during the TJV, we had this like 24 hours of like complete chaos and, um, you know, I just wanted to WhatsApp Nick Dana and be like, Hey, can you come fix all this stuff? I had to kind of like put, put, put my head down and like, you know, do it, do it all myself. You know, I remember we had like a, uh, I was, I was busting with those guys with him and, uh, Tommy Johnson. It was like, Hey, we got a pretty ferocious bro peel coming up here in 36 hours. Are you guys available? You know what? Meanwhile, I'm on the boat with just Pascal and I know that I'm going to be the one like taking it on the chin at the front. It's like, you know, it's just all different. It's all different. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, um, do you like the Omoka boat more than, say, the 65? Or the, I mean, which one do you prefer sailing? 
in a fully crude configuration. I would uh, let's keep that together. Yeah, the, the fully crude thing um, is, is going to be difficult, certainly, um, in the Amaka moving forward uh, in the context of the ocean race. Um, oh. Exactly, you know, how that looks uh, remains to be seen, um, as I think you and uh, most of the listeners are aware. I mean, that, that continues to be our objective, uh, the ocean race, starting in October of 22, when we're, we're, we're building a new boat uh, for that, which launches in um, July. Uh, you know, that's kind of been a, a, a bit of a saga because it was on an initial timeline. And then when the race got delayed, um, we kind of intentionally delayed the timeline of the build. Um, you know, when you're building a new boat for a particular event, it's always this, you know, how early do we get it in the water so we can test its reliability versus how late do we push it so we can make sure we get the best design. And, you know, we kind of tried to retool the uh, design and build schedule around the Vendek so that we can incorporate some of what we saw in that, mm. um, you know, into the new boat before it hits the water. So that was kind of a, a, a calculated change on, on, on our part. Um, yeah, the, the crude stuff's going to be different. Obviously, the goalposts have shifted a little bit. Uh, it was originally supposed to be a crew of five, and now it's a crew of four. Um, you know, essentially two sets of um, two sailing the boat at any given time. Um, you know, I think the original rule had a heading-only autopilot, which was going to require a lot of hand steering, mm. um, if you will. <laughs> and that, now that's kind of uh, looks look like it's changing a little bit and there's going to be more pilot usage. So the existing platforms can be a bit more competitive. So, um, you know, we, we, we wouldn't want to trade places with anybody certainly, but we, we've definitely had to, to, to deal with some changes, uh, over, over the course of the build. Um, so just kind of taking it one day at a time, you know, from a, from a design point of view, was there anything that's, and we'll get onto the Vonda in a minute, but is there, been anything that really stood out that you're like, oh, hang on, we didn't think about that? Uh, I, the biggest thing is the foils and just some of the speeds that we're seeing in the Southern Ocean and the ability to continuously push the boat and whether that's, you know, the fact that these guys have to sleep and at times there's no one on deck or, you know, is it just the fact that these foils are too big and, you know, the sea state is difficult to simulate and, you know, how much is too much? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the guys that have you know, babied the big boards through the Southern Ocean and now have the ability to use them in the trades as they head back to La Saab, um, you know, are kind of happy they have them. But, you know, here you have Yannick running the horn first with both its four years old with, you know, foils that are you know, basically half the size of the Ikea Peppermark ones, you know. So um, it's it's yeah. tricky trying to figure it all out. It's a huge topic. It's probably going to be a, lot, a big part of the show as we go on. But um, I think... Uh, I still want to know if you prefer the uh, sixty-five or the uh, or the sixty. <laughs> it's 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 tough to say. I mean, it's like you know, would you rather drive like a you know Ferrari on a track or a monster truck like in a dirt pit? You know, they're, they're just totally <laughs> Good different. <answer. laughs> um, so it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking to share in the misery with eight people, as you get like pounded standing at a pedestal, it's a sixty-five. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking to stay nice and dry and do 30 knots while hovering above the water, it's the Amoka. Yeah, okay, well, that's an easy answer then, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, they're just, they're just different tools. I mean, it's like, you know, the one design thing versus the, the, the box rule. It's like, do you like the close racing or do you like oh, the, was, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say. Um, I was just about to say the close racing. I mean, cause obviously Bicey and Jordan had a lot to do with the race and uh, I was a spectator and um, from a spectator point of view, I don't think we'll see that again in a long, long time. How, how 
exciting that all was. So um, that was probably my biggest uh, uh, point to make. Yeah, you know, in the in the last uh, edition of the Volvo Ocean Race, as part of S eleventh hour racing, we had a uh, big tone Tony Mutter sailing mm-hmm. with us, and uh, he'd kind of sat out the fourteen uh, fifty edition of the race, and you know, the boats, the sixty fives, had a bit of a you know, reputation and kind of, he'd spent the last four years sailing around on, you know, the hundred foot Comanche, just breaking records left and right. But he was just delighted to see other boats and the closest to the racing was something I think he really underestimated, mm. um, and, and, and enjoyed. Well, um, just for those who don't know, uh, I'll just put some details down for about, so the boat that you've got currently is the Hugo Boss, Hugo Boss 6. It was the one in the last Vendée that Alex sailed. It's a VPLP Verdier design. The boat you're building from memory, uh, it's a Verdier design and you're doing it at CDK. Um, which, so none that's of that's correct. changed, yep. So nope. just, nope. yep. So, I mean, I know the, the guys at CDK are working uh, as part of the whole, uh, with the sustainability piece, you know, there's a lot of work going on to that um, uh, through your involvement with 11th Hour. So I, I knew all about that. But what I'm interested in just on the design front, just to bring it back to that with the Verdier, you know, obviously we've got a lot of time spent with Guillaume. With the design you're looking at, are you, have you done anything different? Like what's the evolution, say, from the Super 60? Did you um, – uh, have you sort of – evolved from that design or is it coming from a different um area have you put in have you got input into that design yeah definitely um you know it's an evolution certainly um of the super 60 i mean if you put all that work into it it seems like a logical place to start um but you know over the course of the last few years um both guillaume and the folks on the sailing side um have have learned a lot so you know we like to think we've taken steps forward, um, with not only the whole shape and, um, you know, the foils and the sail plan and, you know, there's, there's, there's a ton, um, that goes into it. Definitely. Um, you know, one of the big things that we constantly debate is, you know, simulation and, and BPP and modeling versus, you know, what we experience in real life. Uh, you know, Guillaume has a, uh, a relationship with team New Zealand. And we see those guys achieve a lot of success, um, you know, in the America's cup. And, you know, currently he's achieving a lot of success with his platforms on the race course with the Vendee globe. So we definitely think we, we, we got the right guy. Um, you know, and as part of that, we think we're working with the best tools in the world, but you know, it's, it's pretty tough to simulate, um, you know, the sea state, <laughs> that, that these boats see, uh, you know, in the, in the Southern ocean, you know, when you look at the computer screen, when you're using the simulator, it looks like you're holed up behind Rangitoto and Waiheke and there's nice flat water <laughs> and that's kind of how it's going to be. But you know, the, the sea state in the Southern ocean, when you get, you know, westerlies, northwesterlies, southwesterlies, you get cross swell. It's, it's, it's tough to simulate and, um, kind of how the, the sailor feedback and the practical information, you know, works with the simulation and the, um, the VPP is kind of the crux of this whole thing for, for, for me, at least. Did you, um, you mentioned before the show, you listened to the episode with Ryan Brymeyer, um, and he had a lot to say about that, <laughs> basically the sailor input. And if he was to do a boat, it would be a narrow boat utilizing the falls, have a lot more rocker so you can drive it in the Southern ocean. 
Uh, what do you take from that? Valid? It's it's yeah, it's it's valid. I mean, they're 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 all good points. Um, it, it, it's tough because with the ocean race, you, you got legs where you got to cross the equator two more times and actually go upwind and you know mm. tight reach and you know use the form stability of the hull. And so it, you know, there's it, it's not it's not that 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 cut and dry. You know, mm. you wouldn't do the same thing. Um, so, but you know, Ryan is. Uh, Ryan is no dummy. Um, he, he's, he's got some really good ideas and he's not afraid to speak his mind and he's seen, uh, <laughs> seen a lot. So I certainly respect where he's coming from. The, um, recently, I guess we have to talk about the falls because you, I, I know on your last, I think on your last transatlantic run or the one before, you had different falls in each side. So you've been experimenting. Um, what... Uh, what are your thoughts on falls at the moment that you want to share? I guess you probably won't tell us everything. No, I, I mean, I, I'm happy to tell you what's relevant. Um, <laughs> you know, I alluded to um, some shifting goalposts before, and that's kind of the case with the foils in the Amalka class right now as they learn more and more about what they're experiencing during the Vendee. Uh, looks like there's going to be a limitation on essentially the size or power ratio, if you will. Um, of the foils for the next Monday globe. Uh, and that's for a host of very good reasons it's to reduce cost. Um, it's because I guess, you know, when you're sailing around the planet in the South, there's marginal return for the bigger foil for a good percentage of the race course. And then also the, the, the lead time, uh, for, for making these things, you know, the, the French sailing season, which is where most of the Amokas are currently housed, um, is six months. And if you break a foil in the beginning, um, you know, it's tough for the sponsor to stomach that boat's not going to be competitive for the rest of the season because they take approximately six months to design and build in their current form. So, um, they're trying to put limits on it. But for the, Volvo, so a lot of the, for the Volvo ocean race, so you go around in the current rules. So your fall development still pretty critical for you. Yeah, this week. Um, you know, um, the race is under the, uh, the, the, the 21 rule, but, um, one of the things that the Mocha class is looking to do for the 25 rule is to, uh, ban T and Y foils. Um, you know, we have one, um, there are a couple other boats that tried it years ago. Um, but it, it looks like that'll be banned moving forward, uh, by the class and the ocean race. So, um, you know, that, that takes one decision away, uh, from us certainly. So, you know, it's, it's it's a little difficult because we're the only team that's building it a muckle boat right now, so we're kind of out of phase, if you will, with the normal build cycle. Um, but you know, the, the the positive side of that is, you know, we should certainly have the fastest muckle in the world, hopefully, for the next two years. So you know, it's a good position to be in. Um, but just knowing the parameters for competition, you know, a couple of years down the line it's difficult i'd say just being out of phase with the group a little bit but i think the Amoka class in general does a really good job um kind of staying on the cutting edge of development while trying not to make um you know a good majority of the fleet obsolete i mean the strength of the Amoka class is like five through 15 you know five through 20 it's these big numbers you know it's not the five boats that have a chance to win the vendee you've only got to look at this year's edition yeah, I mean, there's That's 33 had to expand the number of entries. I mean, they're doing something right. Yeah, it's it's impressive. But even the uh, even the positions on the racetrack. I mean, the boats just uh, you know, it's just such a varied uh, version version of boats. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're kind of sitting there secretly hoping that, you know, Charlie Dolan's our training partner. We want to see the guy win. Definitely. Um, good guy. But um, from a team that's trying to sell a 2016 generation boat in a couple months, <laughs> wouldn't be bad if Yannick won either. <laughs> so there's, there's the business coming right out. Businessman coming right out. There you out go. There. Oh, did just... I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, we could uh, put up on our notes on how to contact you to purchase the boat. If you want, yeah, any of the email addresses, any of the email addresses. Show with. Yeah. <laughs> so plans with the boat launch it in July, um, with the eventual plan for the start of the ocean race, October twenty-two. Uh, what Correct. what do you have on the agenda between July and the start of the race? Uh, it, it, unconfirmed at this stage, but we'd like to kind of. Um, you know, align ourselves with the Amoka class, um, and some of the events that they have on the calendar for, for, for 21, because I think it's a good way for everyone to kind of cut their teeth and get their head around the boat and the class and, you know, force, you know, people to get outside their comfort zone and learn new things. And I think it'll only make us better for the, uh, the ocean race long-term. Yep. Here, here. Mm. Um, just before we sort of, we might, jump into the Venday shortly, but there's a question. Uh, I've got a couple of sort of specific to Charlie questions. Um, this is not the Bicey's three questions. Uh, what, what do you call it, Bicey? Oh, three questions from Bice. No, okay. Yeah. Like all the real serious stuff. Clever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Your Your greatest achievement in sailing? You know, you're only as good as your last race, I guess. And no one raced in 2020, so it's probably the uh, the, the the TJV in 19. Uh, I mean that um, I pushed myself to the brink, and uh, okay, you know, I think that that was that was probably it. Uh, okay, and uh, the coolest boat you sailed? Uh, probably the Amoco, okay. I would say. There we go. The existing one, hopefully until the new one launches. Um. So- you're in a good position. Can I can I finish with one final one? Yeah, yeah, go, mate. Um, have you been part of the Omoka Class Association meetings? <laughs> <laughs> or you leave that to Bill? I I don't know where you're going with this, but uh, oh no, we've heard basically being a owner run uh, class association and that makes the decisions for the boats, which ultimately they've done a very good job at, as you say that the. the you know, oversubscribed for certain races. But there's many a rumour going around that those meetings become quite heated, um, almost finishing in a, a few punch-ups now and then. <laughs> Just wondering how Bill holds himself up against some of them. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I feel like because our situation is um, unique in that our um, you know our ultimate goal is the ocean race and not the Vendée Globe, we're, we're kind of at least for now, until there's more people in our position, a, a, a bit of um, an outlier. So, I, I mean, we don't really, you know, get mixed up Put in the it. Towing um, too much, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 just it's a different deal. And whether it's Bill or you know, a lot of times we send um, members of our French delegation. We will, uh, you know, we're partnered up with 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 Mare Concept, and we have some people embedded in their team. So, yep. generally, um, we're kind of in the Apivia camp. Uh, when it comes to 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 these meetings, um, so yeah, I, I have not been to them. No I mean, controversy. Mysterious. No, sometimes they, you know, I'll be like, "Oh, there was a technical committee meeting last Tuesday." I had no idea because it's just like 
I'm not in the French mafia. So of course I'll just get the minutes and not the invite. And, you know, so (laughs) it's, uh, you know, we're 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 slowly penetrating. But, maybe, um, maybe they're sending your invite to the wrong email address, Charlie. <laughs> it could be that. They might have an old That's one. A good call. That's a good call. They should just send it to charlie at barkerati dot com. Oh. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, Rotational host. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Vonda. Can we sort of? Are you watching it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. Everyone else in the world, it's the only thing on. It's the only thing on. Well. There's a couple of other little – there is a race that started uh, a couple of hours ago. Um, but the – I guess what I want to do is say, you know, let's look at that leading pack. What do you reckon is going to happen looking – I don't know if you've done any routing or looked at the weather or anything. What do you reckon is going to happen over the next – this next week? Uh, you got to like Charlie Dolan. Uh, mm mm-hmm. I think personally, um, you know, as a guy who sat on a 2016 generation boat in the trade winds and watched a, uh, 2020 generation boat sail on by, um, mm-hmm. you know, much less sail area at a couple knots quicker. Um, you know, Yannick's done an amazing job. He sailed a great race. Um, he's going to have to, uh, probably be a weather system ahead, um, to stay ahead. Uh, I, I would think, um, he, he's, he's got some extra time in his back pocket. Um, which is, which is unique, certainly. Yeah. Um, so whether it comes to that or not, you know, who knows anybody's guess, but, you know, I think the South Atlantic was pretty tricky for these guys when Mm. they came down through it, headed the other way. And I think it's, it's just as tricky now. Now the trades are just starting to establish again, but you know, I'd be certainly surprised if anybody outside the top three, uh, came in and won that thing. It's just whether or not Yannick's going to be able to hold on. But, um, you know, if I was a betting man, well, I, you know, I guess it's interesting because those guys both have, you know, damaged portfolios, which is mm-hmm. the one that they're going to use primarily from here to the finish. But um, still, I mean, Charlie's doing 24 knots right now, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, Yannick's in, he's in different water. He's only doing nines, nines, tens, but, yeah, you know, half, if they were in the half, same water. Yeah, yeah half the, they half were in the, the same lead. water, I think. Yeah, yeah but half see. the lead overnight, you know, so yeah. we're, set, we're seeing the charge now. But, you know, do we, I guess... The, the rubber band effect comes in in certain stages, but we'll see what happens. I think the next couple of days are critical. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Mm. But I think, you know, in normal trade conditions, crack sheets, uh, mm. you know, the, the, the new boats should be two, two to three knots quicker. Sure. Mm. I'm, I'm intrigued, you know, because uh, I guess we're all waiting to see that happen, you know. Like if you look at the race, we just haven't had those conditions where they sort of just – what we expected for them just to be smoking away, you know, like that's, if you think back to the previous edition, that's sort of the vision that I've got in my head that they'd just be on the foils and just charging the whole time. But we haven't had that, those conditions at all this year. Um, it's, I mean, obviously COVID's affected the weather. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, now like we're just waiting for those trade winds to settle in, you know, and actually watch it happen is, is something that, uh, we're all hanging on to. So, uh, as you said, um, Yannick's got, I think, ten and a half hours in his back pocket, um, but he is heading right into the middle or the eye of a weather system at the moment, so it looks like he's in very, very light winds. Mm. Um, and who will come out, you know, I guess we have to declare an interest. We're in the, we're in the Charlie camp as well, I guess, is probably the, the fair thing to say because um, of the boat. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. So, 
Charlie and uh, the team on a pivia to win uh, the Vondo? Get your money now. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, that's what I think. Um, but, you know, not only because of the boat, but because of the guy. I mean, I, I, I know the guy. Um, he's just solid, level-headed, conservative, doesn't put a foot wrong, unflappable, smart, trained naval architect. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's like Superman. You know, it's like the guy got out of the phone booth and onto the boat. I mean, he's <laughs> legit. I he's got a pair that. of those uh, new Musto undies that he oh, puts on the outside, on the outside as well. Of his gear, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At Gore-Tex, did you know that? That's right. <laughs> Don't like the you guys haven't seen his, You haven't seen his cape? <laughs> love it. He's got a Guy Cutten, Guy Cutten cape. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, you guys are so funny. Uh, um, cool. All right. Um, so, what about some of the standouts on the Vonda? Anything that sort of like has surprised you? You know, obviously, I think uh, for me the interesting element is I wanted to see. Uh, Charlie's boat versus Shirelle versus La Aquitaine, you know. I wanted yep. to see how they all lined up and it pretty much got smashed on the head early on. Um, anything else or anything about that that sort of jumps out at you? Well, I, I think, honestly, it's just another strength of the PVA program is kind of being managed by Mayor Concept and, you know, Francois and, uh, you know, Antoine Gautier and just guys that know – the task at hand, you know, not, not just the speed of the boat, but the reliability, you know, when to push, when not to push, uh, you know, when weight matters, when weight doesn't, I mean, just, there's so many things that go into it to make sure that they're still racing here on day 65. I mean, it's a testament to the whole group, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other subplots, um, too. I think it's, it's really cool how Jeremy, um, kind of restarted and got back in the race and how Sam, you know, continues to sail, even though her, her race is over. I think, um, you know, Pip Hare has sailed an unbelievable race and Kevin Escoffier is lucky to be alive. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah. Jean, Jean LeCam, uh, um, you know, continues to amaze, you know, at his age with a pretty amazing craft. I mean, there's, it's just amazing when you get 33 participants, there's, there's so many stories and there's kind of winners and losers all over the place every day on the race course. So it's, it, it's really riveting stuff. So uh, I guess at this point we're just talking about stories. Sorry, Jordan. Um, no, just uh, <laughs> got a good one. <laughs> well, I was just saying, you've got here on your run sheet, Pip Hare. I mean, what what a week for her, and what she's been through, and the way she's been uh, getting it out there. Um, that was an um, extraordinary story, and what she did was been pretty unbelievable, really, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, amazing. I mean, she's she's a fighter. I mean, I, I saw she got her her rudder back in, and and she's she's on her way. And you know, it was touch and go whether or not she was going to like make it and get the. I mean, just to the start line, right? Yeah. Um. And and she's she's done an amazing job. But I see. I don't know if you've seen her uh, big Jenniker. She's sponsored by uh, the Smart Sheet. Yeah, oh. <laughs> my favorite tool. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. If I know a guy that likes spreadsheets, particularly the smart sheet, it's Nick Bice at uh, theoceanrace.com. Well, uh, Bice, you'll be pleased to know I'm using it with the Fire X2. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a worldwide revolution. There's no doubt about it. Hang on, boys. Um, Let's stop plugging smart sheet until they give us some money. <laughs> okay. Uh, a question, Charlie the, the ice exclusion zones. I had a bit of a oh, – it was quite slow, obviously. 
to get to the horn for various reasons compared to previous races. Um, a bit of a theory from my side is essentially they were couldn't go far enough south where all the breeze was. Uh, looked a bit hamstrung from that matter. Would you like to see it open up a bit or? Yeah, it, it, it's 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 tough to say um, because, you know, um, do you really want to put yourself in harm's way or do you want to just get the pain over with a little bit sooner, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you look at the marinetraffic.com or whatever it is with all the AIS signals all around the world and you see this little outlier um, below everybody else by a couple hundred miles and it's Sotobo, you know, just way yeah. south of the fleet doing speeds 2x what any amoka is and probably constructed you know a little bit more fragile um it, it kind of makes you wonder you know it, it, is it too conservative but um you know i think seasonally um it was a little strange for the southern ocean you know you didn't see a lot of established big lows that the fleet could kind of get on the front of and kind of make big miles it was you know front after front after front so i mm. think seasonally it was kind of a a tough spot, but yeah, if they had more race course, um, you know, maybe they could have taken advantage of it, but I can tell you that doing 50 jibes in 48 hours on an ice gate and a persistent shift is kind of shitty too. So not much fun. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So ice gates in general need some, uh, need some addressing. Yeah. All right. All right. I, kn- I knew that was going to come out at some stage, Bossy. It's a little bugbear, <laughs> isn't it? How far no. south should the? How far south should you go, boss? Well, just to start, just so you're not jibing along the ice gate. Yeah, but if that's I mean, way more dangerous than anything I get else. that, but you're always gonna, always because it's shorter the further south. No, you, you just go till you see the iceberg, then you jibe. It's easy. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but the massive iceberg that just separated from Antarctica. Yeah. Things like the size of a, you know, it's like its own continent mm. floating around up there. Mm. And, um, you know, whether it's where they position the ice gates or it's the volatility of the weather in the tropics. I mean, I think we're seeing the effects of climate change on our, mm. you know, on our, our race course in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Crazy times. Um, we've got a lot of other things we could talk about. Should we move on to that? Or have we done enough on the Vendee and yeah. stuff? Let, let's move on. Okay. All right. All right. Let's you want to see that. how professional we get, Charlie? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Game ready? For... You ready? You guys, you guys, you guys leave. Uh, yeah, follow. this is this is a good bit. You'll like this bit. Yeah, uh, you ready? Yep. Change up of topics, right? Oh, um, before. Uh, okay, quick obvious question. Any secret pro news? Any secret pro news? Got any inside information for us, Charlie? Yeah, that no yeah. one knows about that yeah. you're willing to willing to uh, put across the airwaves without dobbing anyone in. Mentioning names. Uh, I should have listened all the way to the end of the last podcast to know that I'd be teed up for such a thing. Oh, it doesn't uh, matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. I, guess, I guess unless you're doing the America's Cup for the Vendee Globe, there's not a lot of pro sailing going on. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Um, you know, Correct. I guess not. Not a. Uh, Unusual to have crickets this time of year on something like that. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> now Not that's that. professional. That. And it wasn't even set up. <laughs> no. Is that the blue button or the red button? Uh, it's a purple one, actually. Um, uh, all preloaded, Charlie. Um, 
All right, well, there all, may not be a huge amount of pro sailing going on, but there was a bit of sailing where you live, boss. Uh, the final, mm. one of the final regatta of the SA Summer of Sail, and there's a couple of things that jumped out uh, at me. One, how fantastic the, the photography is that's coming out of there and the video. But two, the Hartley TS-16 fleet. Did we not mm. look at that and just go, oh, that would have been fun? Well, funny you mention that because I've been peppered a whole lot from our friend Harry Fisher in the week leading up to the Largs Bay event, saying that there was rumours that Cullen Howard and I were going to get a TS-16. Oh, that'd be a good one. Why aren't you doing the TS-16s? And I must admit I was uh, just in the office late quite maybe eight weeks ago and I started following the TS-16 uh, Facebook page and <laughs> one did come up and I must admit I was probably <laughs> half a beer away from buying it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about half be? a beer away from uh, buying it. It looked like Harry and uh, uh, and the boys were uh, in keeping well hydrated during the racing. Yeah. Yeah, yep. the uh, – <laughs> well, this is a little – just a quick little segue. We actually went to sail the TP yesterday, the hooligan. I, I did see not, the photos, could, yes. Could not get out of the uh, bloody – through the breakwater at North Haven. Oh, they haven't finished um, again, eh? On the tide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bit of a disaster. Yep. So we ended up um, just going back to the club for a few Barkerati Sailors Lagers, yeah. of which we weren't the only ones. It looked like every Tier 16 out on the race course yesterday in Largs took their own Sailors Lagers with them. So we were getting peppered with messages and WhatsApps and Snapchats and all sorts of stuff about... Have uh, all the boys going downwind having a sailors? Uh, that's good. It's they, good get to to the, they get to the beer away mark and off they go. Uh, <laughs> Charlie, have you ever heard of a Hartley TS 16? Not. Not. I've not. You, I got uh, the Google though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a New Zealand design, um, probably the first, it's the original sort of trailer sailor. It's, I think it was the plywood. first. Plywood. Home built plywood. Um Chop. And they just don't go away. They, you know, we all um, (laughs) they just don't go away. They just so. I love the description. (laughs) I mean, I just can't imagine. We have to get one. We have to have the Barker ATS sixteen just for future regattas. It'd be hilarious. Now I'm hearing you. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, you got to spend a good two or three grand to get into the fleet. You know, (laughs) so. It's not painful. And they have to carry a portaloo. So that's why we call them yeah. the portaloos up here in Sydney. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, the class up here. That's that's the that's oh. what they do. Um, there is some sailing going on, Charlie. Uh, the the ocean sailing, the seventh ROC transatlantic race started a few hours ago for those who haven't been paying attention. Uh, so part the, uh, there's a few of the maxi class boats are doing it, a few class 40s. Um, a couple of modern Sam Emanuard designs uh, uh, as part of that. So there's a little bit of interest. So they go from Lanzarote to Granada, I think, is the race. Have you guys – were you guys switched on to this one at all? Not in the last couple of hours. Negative. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, so that started just for those uh, that are paying attention. So it always seems to be – I don't know if you guys have noticed this – when you've got one fleet going up north or south – on the Atlantic, they always seem to do an east-west race at the same time just to see if we can create some crossovers and collisions at the moment. So um, they should be – well, actually, no, they might just sort of cross um, around the equator level. 
So it'll be interesting. But, yeah, anyway, there is a bit of racing going on if you're interested just uh, with the offshore stuff. Uh, not a huge fleet, but uh, it is happening. We got the uh, we got the Gitana getting ready to go here. Oh, is it? That's right. Yeah, I think so. They came back because so. um, they knew that uh, they didn't want. They wanted to be able to have another chance uh, at the window when they knew they weren't going to get going. Actually, what about hitting things? What do you think about all that, Charles? Um, I think you should try to avoid it. <laughs> it. It's 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 tough. I mean, there's a there's a lot of technology that's going into it, um, and you know, it's something that we we certainly look at. Uh, very closely. It's, it's tough to figure out if, you know, some of the pingers are effective because they're on the boats or those people just got lucky. You know, it's, you can't, um, you know, interview the marine debris and figure out why some people hit it and some don't. Um, but it's, it's obviously a real problem um, mm. that, that, that needs to uh, you know, be invested in. Really. Yeah, I think you're right. There needs to be investing because I think um, every sailor in the world would love some sort of early warning system, you know, for, for what's in the water. I think, you know, if somebody could create that, I'm sure Canute's sitting there right now in his current role going, yeah, let's let's come up with that solution. I'm sure they're working on that right now. Um, but we, you know, we, we, we have the Oscar system uh, on our boat, like a lot of the Mokas do, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a two two tiered system, if you will. Um, it's the object identification, um, through not only the camera, but the infrared, but then there's the ability for, um, the Oscar system to use the pilot to then deviate from what it finds in the water in front of it. And, um, you know, how far, we, is, that looking, had, how far is that looking forward, Charlie, just out of interest? Hundreds of meters. Mm. Um, yep. so, uh, you know, we sail with it all the time, um, mm-hmm. just to collect data and feed it back to the system because mm-hmm. it's the, um, you know, the AI needs yeah. to recognize it just the more information you feed it, the better the system gets. So we don't always have it on per se because of some of the false negatives we've experienced. Um, you know, but we definitely keep it on to generate the information to give back to the folks at Oscar to better the product for not only us, but the rest of the fleet moving forward. Mm. It's a good idea. It's a good idea, but uh, certainly would be uh, a real benefit to every person that sails offshore. Well, as uh, Rob mentioned, when we had him on, I doubt there's anyone in the world who wants more shit in the oceans. So yeah. uh, just uh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and you know, unfortunately, another, the shit that's in there now doesn't disappear all that quickly. So no, no, no definitely. And I, I used to sail with a, a guy who always said that hope, hope is not a strategy. So we we, sh- we should try to be. Uh, Try to be better than that. Use, use the she'll be right strategy. That goes pretty well. <laughs> I think they're one and the same. Uh, All right. Yeah. Let's talk America's Cup because uh, yes. Prada, the Prada Cup starts in a few days. Oh, um, one whole month. One whole month. Yep. What are we going to do? Everything's just going to stop. I know. I know. I, um, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about any productivity? Well, not that I have to do anything. Well, <laughs> we've only got to we've only got to relate back to the uh, the, the the famous twelfth man line of fill the fridge full of piss and sit back for the next. It's not five fabulous days. It's uh, it's thirty days. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be amazing. But before we get to amazing, um, Charlie, obviously you have a few contacts in the fact that some of your teammates are sailing in the class or in the racing at the moment. Um, 
What's your views on the Prada Cup? Who's going to win? Who's going to come out on top? Um, <laughs> are you biased in any way? Have you got any views on what's happening with Ineos? You know, let's just rain down ideas on us, mate. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think the word is that Ineos has certainly uh, improved uh, in the last couple of days. I mean, they've been, you know, mixing it up, uh, you know, with the other guys just in the fleet racing that happened the other day and some of the training they were doing by themselves. And then when American magic joined in, um, you know, some of which was windy, you know, which is obviously a, a strength of theirs. And I think if it, uh, you know, if it's windy during the product cup, they'll, they'll, they'll mix it up. But I think they're also confident in some of the gains that they've made in the, in the lighter conditions. And <laughs> I was talking to someone on the team and said, well, we're on the foil, you know, and as far as <laughs> like, you know, the, the, bi- the binary phenomenon goes, um, you know, better than last time. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of smart guys over there and, uh-huh. um, you know, whether they, do enough in the time they have um, to get it over the line kind of remains to be seen, but I expect them to be, um, you know, certainly more competitive uh, than, you know, anybody that kind of just checked out after watching the Christmas cup um, expects them to be mm-hmm. uh, in the product cup here moving forward. But, yep. um, you know, uh, whether I'm impartial or not, uh, you know, you let you guys choose, but I think, you know, the Americans put a good foot forward um, definitely in the, in the Christmas cup probably the most consistent challenger there. Um, you know, I think Prada, who knows with the new foils, you know, any, anything can kind of come of that. So, you know, they could take a big leap. Um, but you know, if I had to put money down today, it'd probably be on the Americans. Okay. What's the, um, they have to choose which foil they're yep, using yep. like a week beforehand on or the something? 13th boss. On the 13th, so, that's uh, that's yeah that's the big one and that's, couple uh, days. that's, and that's it, and putting that, a lot of work into that stays mm. Mm. wow that's a big call and what about what we've the, been uh, saying i guess yeah and what about uh, the the, the uh, work they've done on the hull of america mm. uh, american magic that just that looks i mean if, it, if nothing else it looks fantastic i love the look of it the little the the skeg the extension, skeg, the skeg extension, and uh, the way it comes up in the in the stern like that. I just I just think it looks super cool. If it works or not, don't know. What what now that we're uh, observing flying seventy five foot boats? Yeah, I mean it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, it's the, they're kind a different of, world. They're kind of uh, um, those sort of ground effect. Boat planes, they're, they're starting to look like those a little bit. Do you guys ever yes, look into those? Yes, you're right, yes. Yeah, yeah. so they're, they're starting to get that real feel about them. Um, did, you, did they ring you, Charlie, with before on American Magic before they put that extra little skeg on? And, or was, uh... they, must, they must have had the wrong email address. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> you missed that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did, still, you actually, did you actually do anything with them when they were based in Newport? No, 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 no sailing, but, um, you know, obviously a lot of, a lot of good buddies sailing on that team, you know, Andrew Campbell, kind of a contemporary of mine growing up, going through college, university, all that stuff. And two laps of the planet with my buddy, Nick. And yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're good guys and they've, they've, they've been at it certainly, um, you know, most of the time on the water and, you know, it shows, I mean, they're just consistent. They, they, they look tight, you know, whether or not they're going to have the top end and the moments of brilliance that some of these other teams might be able to come up with in certain conditions, who knows, but just as an all around competitor, they look pretty good. Mm. Definitely can't wait. I'm intrigued though. Like if you, if you were to get a chance to sail on one of those boats, but you you weren't steering, 
you weren't doing tactics, you weren't doing flight control or rig. You just had to grind all day. You're just a big bloke with big arms, mate. Yeah, just grinding, grinding, That's grinding. It. Would you do it? Would I do it? Yeah. Would you do it? <laughs> yep. Charlie you says definitely yep. do it. Yeah, because yeah, it would mean that you're in better shape than you are today. Oh. <laughs> well, that's not hard. I'm, hey, I might even grow a bicep back. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's I mean, long... uh, particularly looking, um, I think maybe it was the Ineos one where they're, they're standing sideways rather than facing forward and they're just looking at a, a little readout and just uh, – it's like – Back in the days, you know, you used to sit on the wind trainer with your bike and just ride hundreds of hours on the wind trainer and just the sweat pouring off you. And it's sort of, I never really enjoyed that time. So maybe that's what's just sort of popped into my head, you know, that it just looks like they're doing a training session in the gym. So, so it's not I guess, you. um, what you're saying. It's not you weren't, you. you weren't going to win the America's Cup, though, sitting on the wind trainer. No. Whereas <laughs> here, they potentially will become one of the most famous yachties Are of they? all time for yeah. uh, turning, for, uh, being strong. Mm. Mm. Uh, not, not, not to bring it all the way back to the Vende, but, you know, the guys that are just sleeping on beanbags, bashing their brains out, you know, they're going through their own self-torture, yeah. um, you know, which is different, which, which, which is different than these guys that are just, mm. you know, hitting the, uh, hitting the rowing machine or, you know, the wind trainer or whatever it may be. I mean, those guys are still, you know, very significant cog in a big machine that is a team, yeah. you know? Oh, so I think yeah, being, absolutely. Yeah. Be, being part of the team, I think, is you know can't go underestimated. Yeah, no, I, I just I've got to take the alternate view. Somebody's got to throw the uh, other view out there so we have the discussion. <laughs> um, but you know, like it, maybe then from what you've just said, then Charlie, maybe sailing is just about suffering. And whether you want to share it with anybody else or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. All right. So okay, let, let's put it down. So I'll just. Describe it for everyone. So a round-robin series in the Prada Cup into a semi-final. Um, in the semi-final, first to win four races and in the final, first to win seven races. So uh, January 15 through January 24, so 15, 16, 17, then 22, 23, 24, two sets of races a day. So our first race starts on the 15th, round robin one, which is uh, the American Magic versus Ineos. So we'll get to actually see. And then race two on that first day will be Ineos against Luna Rossa. And then we'll work through um, the semifinals 29th of January start. And then the final start 13th of February. And then we decide the winner. So that's the format of the Prada Cup. Um, three teams, only one goes through. Who's going to make it through? Uh, Charlie, we know your view. You've already said it. So who's making it through? Are you coming back to us? Yeah, why not? You're allowed oh, okay. to. Okay. Yeah. You're in- interviewing us. You've got to make Charlie suffer. Like, <laughs> we want to, uh, what I'm trying to get you is to spark, make a statement where he comes back in and, and says, no, nah, have you thought about this? It's I a have. bloody good question, it is good I must question. admit. Yeah. Um, now, now I, that we actually see the, see the boats? No, I will say, in, based on my comment a couple of weeks ago regarding um, team from the UK, is they will definitely pull something out. Um, and we're going to see a complete different regatta if there's breeze. Yep, um, true. Is my, if they've got enough in the bank to actually 
win overall. I don't think the consistency will be there. I like the consistency of both Prada and uh, America Magic. Who's going to get that? I don't know. I'll tell you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, <laughs> you coward. There's one, there's one who wears, can I, can I ask, one who wears his heart on his shoulders. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to do what I've always said the whole way through, and I, I'm American Magic. Okay. Uh, Charlie, you can I ask can... a question about the format that I, that I should probably know, but I don't? Yep, go for it, mate. How, how do you have a semifinal? Uh, well, yeah, it's a good question. I think that you're exactly right because four boats should be in a semi final. Oh no, no, two boats should be in a semi. Yeah, what? It's just so that's the product cup final. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hang on, yeah, hang on. That, uh, that's a great question. It's two versus three to get the right to mm-hmm. sail against that's it. one. Yeah, yep. so that's it. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like somebody gets a buy. That's it. There you go. Good yeah, question, yeah, though. Exactly. That's excellent. First ranked team yeah. gets the buy for two and three to race against for the right to it's like win wild the card weekend. Yeah. Wild <laughs> card weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Every <laughs> player wins a prize. That's right. <laughs> okay. Feel like, the esky, right feel like the esky full of cores and you're off. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. Well, yeah. um, just having a look at the weather on Windy, if I go and look at the, the models that go across Auckland for the 15th, 16th and 17th, it's not looking super, super windy um, for those three days. But uh, looking like Southwester, probably 10 to 12 on the, the first day, looking a little fresher and slightly further west uh, on the second day, and then... Maybe uh, a little bit of a ridge going through on the third day, which might mess everything up. So that's the sort of the long way range look at it. Um, so it, it's cool. It's getting exciting. I'm I'm pumped. I can't wait. Yep. I mean, we all we all love it. So the only thing we regret is that uh, the Barkerati barge is not planted mm. centre of the course, um, and it doesn't look like we'll be able to get there for. Um, or the finals either. Um, so, Charlie, if you don't know, the the race director has agreed for us to set up a barge in the middle of the race course, uh, and boats would go around it. Uh, we had we had verbal agreement on the show from the race director where we <laughs> it would. It is recorded. <laughs> yes, and I've actually just been working on a bit of um bit of branding for it. Yeah. Oh. Essentially, we're going to fill it full of bunting. Oh, um, nice word. Yeah, we're going to set up some bunting and also a bit of uh, just a bit of signage around the side of the barge. Lovely. Promoting Barkerati Sailors Lager. Yeah. Oh. So. But the, the oh. issue is we can't get in in New Zealand at the moment. So, uh, mm. yeah. But, down, but so we're still, small, still small living the dream. We're still living the dream. <laughs> did, you, did you finalise whether or not they had to do actually a circle around us? When, when, you know, uh, no, we hadn't agreed to that. That was one of the ideas, Charlie. They had to do a complete 360 around the barge. Um, you know, <laughs> very much like the ocean race when Witty was driving the, the boats through the, uh, the spectator fleet. <laughs> spectator craft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Charlie, uh, we're sort of moving to the end of the show, but I do have to ask you a question. You, do you do much dinghy sailing these days? Do you ever get back into a dinghy? Not a ton. I used to um, do a lot of teams racing. Yep. As like a 
you know, University. back in the day yeah. and part of, uh, you know, high school and college and then beyond actually. Um, it's funny, actually I went to the team race worlds in Perth of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a bunch of, you know, guys that we sailed against later in life, you know, Pete Blair, Tommy Johnson, Parco, you know, all those guys was where I first, first met those guys and still kind of do it, uh, recreationally, it, it's, it's pretty cool. You just rock up to the, you know, local yacht club or sailing center, whatever it is. You don't have to own a boat and you can kind of, you know, lock horns for the weekend and then pack up and, and drive home. So do a little bit of that. And, um, the guys are trying to pressure me into getting a moth at a wasp the last couple of years, yep. which is, uh, you know, pretty good for me personally, just something to bash around in after work and kind of fly and foil around. Um, but not in the competitive sense, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wasn't supposed to be home this weekend, but I'm, I'm, I'm threatening to go laser frostbiting on Sunday, which <laughs> it, uh, been a long time, but, um, well, yeah, when you get a bonus weekend, you got to take advantage of it. That's it. Now to extend the question, have you ever thought about you and Mark? In a, a boat together, a dinghy together. How would that combination go? Uh, like sinking or floating? <laughs> <laughs> a floating boat yeah. that sails. Yeah, in a race. <laughs> a floating boat. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm trying to think. We have, we haven't done a lot of sailing. Little boats together. Uh, we've done some Melga stuff together, um, okay. but that's that's not really a dinghy. Well, Are you, you, is this a leading question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course it is. Everything's a leading question with Jordan. <laughs> okay. If I see and I know exactly where it's going. He's setting something up for in three months' time as well here. Yeah. No, this is this is. We're going to be about. on a plywood barge, two of us trapezing on a – No, no, no. It's, in the middle of the America's Cup course? Uh, it, conversation hasn't happened uh, yet, but I know what's going on behind the scenes. So the opportunity may turn up. Have you ever heard of a thing called a 505? <laughs> oh, I have actually. I, I, oh. I, I moonlighted in a 505 for a year with um, with a guy named Pete Owry, who you may or may not oh, know. I know Pete very uh, well. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I still with Pete. I worked in uh, his boat shop, him and a guy, Lars Guck, um, back in the day when I was in college. Right. And they were importing those. Uh, those kiss those those rondars the 505s and That's we'd it. kind of rig them fit them out and go to a regatta and hopefully sling it and not have to tow it back on the trailer okay well there may be an opportunity uh the 505 worlds have just announced that they're going ahead uh covid uh likely if everything's under control and travels allowed in bermuda 27th mm. of october through to the 5th of november um, so big world championships on the same race course the America's Cup was, I think, is what I understand it to be. So that should be pretty exciting. That was just announced. Um, obviously, everything is dependent on COVID, but uh, there is quite um, some favourable sponsorship from Tourism Bermuda to get the, the containers there. So it'll be pretty cheap for the 5-0 teams to get their boats there. Um and uh, I got some good contacts and uh, networks in the 5.0 world, uh, Charlie. And um, you never know, mate. You might, I might be able to provide you with a front of the fleet, cutting edge, uh, very, very competitive 5.05 for you and Mark if certain things happen, if you're interested. Or, or, or maybe me and Pete. <laughs> oh, Pete, yeah. Yeah, we can make – yeah, however you want to make that team work. Yeah, yeah, Pete. Pete Actually, will... Pete, Pete, Pete's my neighbor now. He lives he lives just up the street. Oh, well, say oh. good day for me. I like the guy a lot. He's a great I man. Was, I was kind of waiting 
for you to announce your comeback there, Jordan. No, no. That's what I was, there was going to yeah. that too. I thought you were going to ask Charlie <laughs> well, Gazar with you. I did get, uh, I, I must admit, a, um, I did get a message from an Olympic medalist and multiple world champion, one of uh, Australia's more famous uh, dinghy, elder dinghy sailors, did message me the other day and he said, you know, maybe, maybe. And I just went, Jesus, dude, like between the two one Ian Brown? Hey, I'm not saying who it was, but... Well, I, I was sailing with an extra with him the other day and you mentioned... Oh, not you. Yeah. I'm just asking if, it's, if it was him, that's... Well, I'm not saying a word. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't know, like, uh, my wife tells me I'm not in fighting shape at the moment, so uh, that may be... Could really? be a good excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, Charlie, if that's... Uh, keep that in the back of your mind. Um, I will say there are phone calls happening in a couple of days where this may come up as a topic. So if you're interested, let us know. There you go. Team Barkarati. Team Barkarati. 27 October to 5 November in beautiful Bermuda. you be able to do some yeah, 11th hour work sounds, down there. Sounds like a yes to me. <laughs> it's a definite yes. <laughs> I'm rearranging my sock drawer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a chat oh, so to Pete. So you're busy then. Or Mark. And uh, then, then come back to us. Um, I, I do want to quickly mention uh, West Australian catamaran sailing. Um, uh, Susie Gant sent me a note during the week, or sent us yes. a note during the week. Um, the what they had, they because none of the uh, cat sailors could get across to do any nationals because everything was cancelled. So they created an event called Wax It. Mm, yeah, very Wax cool. It, as in, <laughs> as in Brexit, but for Western Australian. Exit to- oh, I thought it was for cat whackers. Cat waxers. <laughs> cat waxers. So they raced on, uh, they raced on rating uh, and had a big regatta at, I think, uh, Jarvis Bay Sailing Club, which is not Jarvis Bay on the east coast, but Jarvis Bay on the west coast, which is sort of halfway between Rockingham and um, uh, uh, Fremantle, sort of halfway down the coast from Fremantle, probably near that where that big sailing museum is, I think, um, a little bit further South there, but uh, had a great old week of sailing. And uh, Susie and Cam sailing at Hobie 16 actually won the event. And in go. fact, beat some of the F-18s over the line on the windy days. So the, the, Hobies, the Hobies were first and second, I think. So uh, fairly well talented. Done, hey? Well done, Susie. Yeah, well, they're, they're pretty talented. Uh, you know, they're right at the front of that fleet on a world level. So congratulations. And then the last thing I've got on my notes, gentlemen, uh, is – and particularly interested uh, in Charlie's view. We've got several foiling keelboats projects have been announced over the last few weeks. Have you guys noticed those? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean, BP? I don't know. I just, yeah, let's just see. (laughs) Yeah, 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 let's just see. Well, Charlie, you'd be half knowledge. I mean, you... I don't know even if you're still employed by North Sales and are you still in that sort of program? Because North Sales are involved in uh, the Flying Nicker project. Are you, are you got the, any of The Super Nicker, the Mills one? Yeah. Yeah, it looks um, like a big challenge. They certainly got a lot of resource um, kind of aimed at trying to figure it out. Um, are there other ones? Yeah, uh, there's a new thing called, uh, well, it's called the MW40OF, um, which it really rolls off the tongue. It rolls right <laughs> off the tongue. Um, I wonder how the jingle's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the reason we under, give it. I'll get on to writing it for him. <laughs> there is. Uh, so the designers of that, uh, the boat, the Persico 69F, which is the little um, sort of. Oh, yeah. Uh, design this thing um, and it's effectively if you imagine BP's X2 project extended out to 40 feet and then stuck up in the air on the rendering that's what you're seeing so um, I, I, you haven't seen that one at all Charlie? I, I have not I've seen some of the stuff on the uh, the Super Nika mm. um, looks Interesting, certainly. Mm. That, that's um, the word I'm, I'm using. Yeah, that, mm. that, I'll go down that path. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, if it comes to fruition, it'd be, you know, spectacular. It'd be wild. And it's, you know, projects like this that move the needle forward for, you know, more conservative, you know, things in the future. It's got to kind of drag the masses with it a little bit. But if you don't have these, these, these crazy ideas, we just kind of get stuck it's down still, in the same boats yeah, all the time. Dead, dead so. true. Dead true. Well, I, I like seeing it. I like seeing all this stuff. I mean, uh, I guess going offshore um, and falling fully airborne, um, I mean, that was sort of what we tried to do with the Super 60. That was one of the ideas. Uh, but these are using the sort of more the foil technology that the America's Cup boats are currently using. So it's a sort of different looking foil. Certainly the Super Nicky or the Flying Nicker or however you pronounce it. Um, but, yeah. Well, I, I think the the brief, at least for that boat, is to do stuff that's more coastal, I think, mm. in nature. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think that's a little bit more obtainable. You know, 100, 200, 300 mile mm. races, you know, mm. two, three days, small crew. Uh, and usually in that time, you can't get far enough offshore that, you know, the sea state's too heinous. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, yeah. certainly. Yeah, well, it's the start. Is I guess that's the reason I mention it. It's the start of this stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll see mainstream trickle down from the cup and what have you. But to get this and to keep, as you say, Charlie, to keep keep uh, moving the needle forward is uh, is good to see. Because mm. let's face it, um, ten years ago, no one ever thought an Imoka was going to be falling. No, and now, now what we see, it's uh, it's good, good for the sport. I will say that MW40OF um, is designed as an offshore racer and it's very much um, using the foil structure as they do in the Omokas just with uh, an elevator on the rudder. Um, so it's not a huge extension or step away from what currently exists. It's just adding that elevator component onto the rudder. So it, it should be quite feasible. I mean, it should happen. It should be able to make it work. I'm just trying to uh, see the day we've got three or four of them, you know, trying to start in the ho- in the Hobart on the uh, on the harbour. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know, oh. uh, well, it, good. You know, I, I do think for stuff like the Hobart, I mean, if, if if projects like that, you know, come to fruition and are able to realise their goals, you know, you can do a 600 mile race in 36 hours. You know, you can live on anything for 36 hours, but. Um, you know, if you get mm. slapped with a southerly buster, you know, is that what you want to be on? Eh, probably not. Yeah. It's like <laughs> no. you'd be able to get kind of pick and choose your windows kind of with a platform like that, at least for now, until they become more robust and reliable. Yeah. Uh, good times, I tell you. Yep, good times. Good, good fun times. fun time to be part of yachting, isn't it, really? Well, I guess people have got nothing to do, so they're keeping their hands busy by drawing up all these new projects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, have, you, have you thought about... Uh, an X2 and doing the Olympics then, Charlie? That's probably the last question from me. 
the offshore, the mixed offshore. Yeah, yeah, I d- definitely, definitely thought about it. Um, I think it's a ways from being figured out. Um, mm. You know, it, it has to get ratified. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, as an event in May, I think is the timeline for that. So, you know, if that happens, um, then it's definitely a different conversation than it is today. Um, and then I think what boat they choose that factors into it, you know, what the qualification process looks like for the States, you know, if we're able to do the ocean race and it ends in 23 and the games are in 24, you know, if it's a matter of just kind of wasting it up for one regatta and hoping for the best, yeah, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. You know, but if it's the best result over the course of the 18 months leading up average and you can't do it all and it becomes a bigger commitment, then maybe not. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. It's intriguing. It is absolutely intriguing. I mean, we hope it gets up, but I mean, we've heard rumours um, to that it does. It's not going to go ahead. We've heard rumours that it's it's going ahead. Heard rumours about boats. We've heard all sorts of things. So, um, it, I, I want to see it in all honesty. But um, maybe we even put in those um, a fully falling boat as well. Really make it interesting. <laughs> That'll be good on the med. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> dragging those here. falls around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, golf, yeah. the golf of broken boats. <laughs> We've been across there, Bicey, haven't we? Here, here, here. Mm. My famous boat captain role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right, I think we're done, boys. Is that it? That's it from my yeah. side. And, um, yeah, Charlie, thanks for joining us. We've yeah. uh, had you on the list for a long time and it looked very relevant right now get some of your comments from Vonday. So thanks for that and thanks for joining and taking the time to be part of Barkerati. Thanks for having me, guys. You lead um, our follow. Finally, um, there'll be a merchandise pack coming your <laughs> way and a email address will be attached to it that you're more than happy to use if you want. <laughs> so that's just an excuse for when it doesn't show up, right? You get the wrong email oh, you address. didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. um, so sorry. Wrong email address. Ah. Oh. Oh, well, I'll get the staff onto it. <laughs> you idiots. Hey, yeah, good one. Uh, good to good to catch up. Oh. See you, everyone. See you later. Thanks, guys. Take me home and the energy. Slowly I'll turn my own